from WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home. The podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. We're your hosts, Leif Johansson and Nate DePaul. Thanks for tuning in. When I was seven years old, I had a unique experience. Up to that point, I had spent the admittedly brief tenure of my educational career at the Jeffersonville Youngsville Central School District, one of many tiny school districts dotting our Catskills countryside. Our single building with its three wings built at different points throughout the 20th century housed grades K through 12. But then things changed. We had just completed a merger with two other school districts on the western side of Sullivan County, and suddenly we stopped being the Jeff Youngsville Central School District, and we became the Sullivan West Central School District. There were more teachers, more students, and our Jeffersonville campus became just the K-6 campus for this larger district. A new high school had, after several years of delays and cost overruns, been completed in Lake Huntington, a hamlet that didn't previously have a school at all, but it was approximately the midpoint between all three schools that had just combined. Years later, when I attended that high school, I loved it. That new building had modern classrooms, a state-of-the-art theater, big athletic facilities, and a cool library filled with natural light thanks to its stylish floor-to-ceiling windows. But it wasn't quite that simple. This merger caused so many headaches, and some of them hit pretty close to home for me. My dad spent most of his career as a high school science teacher at Sullivan West. So the other day, I called him up to ask about what that merger was like for him and the community. I want to ask you about the Sullivan West school merger that happened in the early 2000s. (laughs) I hope you're recording that. (laughs) The merger occurred in a couple phases. The district began the Sullivan West district by incorporating um, Narrowsburg and Delaware Valley. It allowed me to go to Narrowsburg because when they incorporated that, everybody was now going to be working under the Jeff Youngsville contract, which was a reasonably paying contract. Narrowsburg, the pay was so low, I could never have gone there before. So... The first year I went to the Narrowsburg district and got to, I mean, it was purely just Narrowsburg, even under the um, merger. And then uh, it was sort of a surprise to everybody. They were doing this early. Uh, They were um, taking the high school out of Narrowsburg so that they could start the renovation of the building. And so suddenly this was the very last year the high school was going to be there and it was moved the entire high school, me included, went to the Jeff Youngsville campus. Now, you said that they were going to renovate the Narrowsburg building. They did. They renovated the heck out of the Narrowsburg building 
of course, before they shut the whole thing down and sold it, they put $4 million worth of renovation into the Narrowsburg building. I was told by one of the board members uh, that I should come work at the district. This is before the uh, merger had ever taken place. And he was saying that this amazing windfall was going to happen, that we were going to get uh, this basically free high school out of it. And so uh, they were all really focused on a free high school. I don't think they did the homework they needed to do because it showed up um, when it was too late that it wasn't a free high school, that it was um, what they had thought was $5 for every $100 worth of school that they would have to pay. That only counted for classrooms. And if you think about the Sullivan West High School, how much square footage is not in classrooms? I would say maybe even the majority of it is not in classrooms. Correct. So we were suddenly just so ruined financially Mm. that it was such a bad idea to build this building when we didn't have the seats to fill up the three buildings we were already having. We could have used the money towards much better end. Do you think that if the school board had known... And if the public had known about this issue where it was only covering $5 for every $100 spent just in classrooms, do you think that the building ever would have been built? No. No. If we had known what was really going to happen, um, I mean, I voted for it. I was thoroughly in favor of it. But if I had known really how, how bad the decision was based, um, I would not have done that. Hmm. Um, and I, I think it would have gone down. It wouldn't have been anything at all, but I think we would have been fine merging. I think the merger was a great idea. Um, if we had not built the new building, we could have really worked on modernizing, um, and working with the buildings we had and have kept them and have had a really integrated, interesting district. Um, the, the new high school was a mistake, but the merger was a great idea. There is a reason I was asking my dad about this weird blip in his career from over 20 years ago. Turns out, conversations about school mergers happen all the time, especially in rural areas across the U.S. whose populations have declined as a result of urbanization over the last century. It's just really expensive to maintain tiny school districts when there just aren't that many people to maintain them for. And that is exactly what the discussion has been about in Livingston Manor and Roscoe recently. For the last few years, these two schools that are only seven miles apart have been drawing up plans to merge as their class sizes dwindle. It would actually be a lot more simple than the Sullivan West merger, in part because there are no plans to build a new building, and in part because elements of these districts have already merged. They have combined sports teams, administrative staff, and a single shared superintendent, John Evans. I sat down with Superintendent Evans last week, just a few days after district-wide referendums on the merger failed in both Livingston Manor and Roscoe, and both just by a handful of votes. But before getting into the impact of the recent vote, 
I started out by asking Superintendent Evans about when this conversation about a possible district merger began. Uh, it started probably 70 years ago. Um, Roscoe and Manor are both in the town of Rockland. Uh, the two school buildings are seven miles apart. So it's something that has been looked at by these two communities multiple times. I believe this is the third time it has come up. So it's not a, a new thing. It's been happening for decades, um, unfortunately, <laughs> with the same result. So it, it, there's a lot of things that have changed now versus in the past. I mean, we've Roscoe and Manor, there's a tremendous amount of sharing taking place between the districts, um, not just the superintendent. We have a shared business official, a shared district treasurer, shared technology director, um, shared facility director, uh, shared um, athletic director, business official, superintendent, secretary, district clerk is also shared. So almost every single district level position is shared between Roscoe and Manor. Um, facilities director is actually Roscoe Downsville, um, but all of our upper level positions are shared. The districts have shared athletics for you know the last probably close to 20 years. Um, it varies a little bit season to season. Um, basketball is one where predominantly they have had their own teams because you only need, you know, five or six kids. Um, but even in basketball in different years and at different levels were shared. So neither district has the student population to support extracurricular activities or athletics like they, you know, they had in the past. So, you know, in the past, it was always a big sports rivalry that was a hurdle in the mergers. This time around, you know, there's neither, both districts, you know, sometimes kids are a wildcat, sometimes they're a blue devil, you know, it depends on what school is hosting the program. So the, the sports rivalry piece has, is really diminished over the years. And like I said, the collaboration and sharing between the districts, it, you know, it was a conversation that was coming up with board members and in the community, if you're sharing all this stuff, you know, why don't we just merge? You know, there's got to be, you know, financial incentives and money from the state to do this. Wouldn't it make sense to just merge the districts and take advantage of all of those incentives? So, which is what we attempted to do. Can we talk dollars and cents a little bit of a proposed merger? I mean, how much money in theory would be saved by merging the districts? So in total, the projected savings and incentive monies come to about $20 million over a 14-year period. So, you know, saying no, the two communities basically gave up saving $20 million over the next 14 years. There was a little over $7 million in incentive operating aid that we would have received over a 14-year period. The majority of that coming in the first five years so it would have been $755,000 a year in additional aid in the merge district. So some of the confusion around the merger discussions is in the study, it was recommended that we could reduce staff by nine positions. Reducing staff and cutting jobs are two very different things. 
So, so there are a number of positions that are shared and just normal transition from year to year. We have, you know, we hire people and people retire, people leave to go to other districts. So those nine positions and the savings from those nine positions was just about a million dollars. It's a little over $900,000. Since the merger study was taking place, of those nine positions, there are two of them are currently shared positions. So in essence, if the districts merge, that equates to one of those positions. We have a couple people slated to retire. That takes care of a couple more of those positions. The recommendation in the study was not to, nobody loses a job, but through attrition. So as people leave or retire, not to replace them. I have two positions that I've currently hired leave replacements for, for this school year that would account for another two positions. And just that normal transition that I was talking about before from 2018 to 2021, 26 positions have changed hands within the two districts. And last year alone, there were almost 20 in Manor and 15 or 16 in Roscoe. So getting to that million dollars in savings and reaching those nine positions would have occurred naturally within the first year or two. So all of that you know, potential savings would have been available um, in the merge district. There's also the, the ability to reduce duplicate services. So as a school district, both districts independently have to do audits. You know, we have attorneys. When you look at all of those services that we, we have two of right now, and if we combined, we would only need one for the new district, there's another $500,000 in savings. So when, we, when we're talking dollars and cents, right off the bat, you're approaching about 1.5 million in savings you'd be able to realize if the districts merged, coupled with the incentive operating aid of $755,000 a year each year for the first five years. You know, there's a significant amount of money coming in in a new district over the first five years to enhance programs uh, and, you know, provide additional opportunities for kids. Another financial incentive that the state offers is incentive building aid. So both buildings are well-maintained, beautiful buildings. Both buildings would be needed if the districts merged. They won't, all the students won't physically fit in either building, um, which, is, which has been a conversation throughout the process because both districts have experienced pretty significant declines in enrollment over the last, you know, 10 and 20 years. And, you know, now with less kids, we're still struggling for space. And, and, you know, people outside of education have a hard time understanding that, you know, like the Livingston Manor building, we had almost a thousand kids at one time. How can we not fit 700? Education has changed tremendously in the last 20 years. You know, a classroom that used to have, you know, 30 desks in rows, now has learning centers and has technology areas. You know, kids aren't sitting in desks. They're sitting in tables and doing group work. So, you know, a room that used to fit, you know, 25, 30 kids is now full with 15 or 16. Uh, We've also had a, a significant increase in our special education populations. So with a special education class, 
you're you're capped by either federal or state regulations on the number of kids that can be serviced in one of the, in a special ed classroom. It's either a 611, an 811, or a 1211. Meaning if it's a 1211, you've got 12 students, one teacher, one aide. That's all that's in that room. That's a regular size classroom that's servicing 12 kids. So between, you know, increased special ed population, both buildings needed to be utilized. Both buildings have work that needs to be done. So with or without a merger, there's things that we need to do to, you know, maintain and take care of our buildings. The incentive operating aid through the formula that the state uses would have increased from our current rates. So Manor is currently 68.8% building aid and Roscoe is 54%. In the combined district, it would be an additional 30% on top of the higher aid. So it'd be 89.4%. So almost 90% building aid. So if we did a capital project, the districts merged and we did a capital project, for every $100 we spent, we'd get $89.40 back. So the state would have picked up a significant portion of the repairs and improvements that are needed in both buildings. Um, That higher aid would have been in place for the first 10 years after the merger. And then after 10 years, it would drop back to 68.8%, which is what Manor's rate is. Um, So, I mean, on paper, if you look at the study, it's a 133-page study, nobody's losing a job. Both buildings are getting utilized. Increased program opportunities for kids. Tremendous amount of money coming in. Uh, Taxes were projected to go down in both districts. It would take four years for them to get back to today's rate in Roscoe and seven years to get back to today's rate in Livingston Manor. And it was voted down. (laughs) So uh, there was, despite the efforts from the school district, you know, the, the study process took place over, you know, nine months, numerous community meetings. All the meetings were open to the public. They were advertised. They were live streamed. So you could come in in person or you could watch it through a webinar. Um, We had very little attendance at the meetings. They alternated between districts. At the final meeting of the Joint Advisory Committee, where they worked with the consultants and they presented the final study that had been approved by State Ed to both boards back in um, Early September, there were there was nobody on the live stream and there were two community members present. So prior to the vote, after the, the boards voted to put the, the question of merger to the communities, which is part of the process that state ed requires, you know, I made myself available to any community organizations that were having meetings and basically did a traveling road show to about 15 different community organizations. Uh, between the two communities just to talk about the same things that I'm talking about you with right now. The, you know, the facts from the study, you know, this isn't stuff that I made up. This isn't stuff that, you know, we just pulled out of the air. These were consultants that were hired. We did an RFP process or request for proposals. You know, they've done 14 or 15 other merger studies around the state. You know, it was an independent group that came in and looked at each district individually 
and then what it would look like if you combined them and then plugged in all the numbers and facts and figures and, you know, put together a, a pretty comprehensive study. Like I said, it was 133 pages, sent it off to state ed back in July, state ed reviewed it, did some language tweaks basically, but recommendations and findings weren't modified by the state. You know, they were accepted and, you know, did the best that we could to communicate it to the community. But, you know, the, the misinformation that was out there, I know a lot of people voted no because people were losing jobs. A lot of people voted no because um, taxes were going to go up. Some people voted no because they didn't want to build a new building. Nowhere did it say we were building a new building. Um, you know, so it's it, it's kind of, it's it's very disappointing because the opportunities that are going to be there for kids are the, are the biggest loss in all of this. was this disconnect? I mean, why aren't people the state showing up? And, and, and I mean, as you mentioned, it sounded like there was some disinformation, but um, for both districts to eventually vote this down, did you sense that there was, there was some greater disconnect happening? Um, up until the day of the vote, there was very little sense of how people felt. They were very tight-lipped. There wasn't a lot of, you know, there was no, you know, huge pro-merger group. There was no huge, no, you know, anti-merger group. Mergers themselves carry with it a significant amount of change. Um, There's a lot of distrust in our state government and state education department. That doesn't help. You know, the state education department does not make the process easy. It's it's very cumbersome and clunky, and there's a lot of steps. You know, there's eight votes basically required to, to get a school merger passed. Both boards have to vote to do the study. Both boards have to vote to put the the final study before the voters. You have to do an advisory referendum which is what we just did. It has to pass in both communities there. Then you go to a binding referendum. So, and even after that, if that had passed, then they have to vote again to elect a new board of education. And then they have to vote in May to, you know, so there's so many steps to this process that each time, you know, people get anxious that, all right, there's something they're not telling us. You know, there's, there, there's, there's more to it than this at least in my time as a superintendent, if I, if you look around the state, far more mergers have been voted down than have been, that have been passed and resulted in new school districts being created. A few have passed recently um, in the last, you know, several years, but more of them have gone down. You know, one of the, the challenges for us is the Sullivan West school merger. You know, there's a lot of people outside of the those communities looking in believe there were so many different mistakes that were made 
Um, you know, money was put into school buildings that were eventually closed. A new building that was built that people didn't, you know, think needed to be done. Um, and what I, you know, that came up in a lot of my community meetings. And what I, you know, continued to explain to, you know, my communities is that putting money into buildings, closing buildings, building a new building are all things that that community had to vote on. It wasn't just something that a board and the superintendent decided to do. Once that decision was made, it had to be put before the voters and the voters had to approve it. So putting money into two school buildings, the communities voted to do that. Building a new school district, the communities voted to do that. So, you know, members of my communities, outsiders looking in might see that that was foolish or not necessary, but we don't live in those communities. You know, we didn't have the information and the details that those communities had when they made those decisions. So, you know, that's, I, I tried to communicate that over and over again, that, you know, every school district in the state is unique and different. And we can only look at our circumstances here in Roscoe and Livingston Manor and make the decisions that make the most sense for our students and our community. And really, we we shouldn't be paying attention to what went on somewhere else because they're very different situations. You know, we can look at it and, you know, learn from it, but, you know, we need to look at the facts and the details surrounding our current situation and use those to make our decisions, not emotions and frustrations from other communities because of things that they went through over 25 years ago. And one of the kind of facets of both Livingston Manor and Roscoe school districts is that they are very small in terms of student populations. And, and what were the most recent graduating class sizes from both of those schools? Um, so last year, I think both were in the low, uh, Manor was in the high 20s, maybe 30. Roscoe was in the low 20s. Um, but we do have some pretty significant small classes. You know, in Roscoe, I have uh, one of my grade levels has 12 kids. Another one of, one of my elementary classes has nine. You know, in Manor, I have two sections of one of my elementary classes. One has nine, one has 10. You know, so there's 19 kids. 50% of the classes, the seven through 12, 12 classes offered at Roscoe have less than 10 kids in those sections. And in some cases, it's two and three kids. In Manor, which is in everyone's mind, the much larger district, 40% of my classes in seven through 12 have less than 10 kids, some of which have two and three. Um, I have a daughter who's a junior that goes to school in Livingston Manor. She's got two kids in her high school Spanish class. So, you know, even though Manor is the larger school, 427 kids is not huge. Roscoe, the smaller school, 225 kids. If these two districts merge, they're still the smallest school in Sullivan County. Is it possible that New York State can force a merger uh, between different districts? They can. Again, that's on the political side of things. So it's been talked about. It was talked about early on in uh, Governor Cuomo's era. He talked about it. Again, you know, all schools under a thousand should merge. But it's an unpopular notion. So, but it is possible, yes, that the state could come in and enforce districts to merge. 
uh, something that's been looked at a number of times and also would need special legislation to move forward is regional high schools. Um, when you look outside of New York and you look around the rest of the country, um, there's countywide school districts. There's, there's some states where there's a, a state curriculum that every district you know uses the same textbook. It, it's New York is very inefficient in how we do things, um, how schools are funded, how they're structured. There's a number of things that probably could be done a lot better, but it would take a lot of political clout and a lot of support for somebody to shake the carpet and start from scratch. Um, you know, and if you were going to do that, you pro- it probably wouldn't result in 750 different school districts, you know, ranging in size from 20 kids to huge New York City where you have thousands, you know, hundreds of thousands of kids. Yeah. So is there any possibility that, say, Roscoe and Downsville would merge and, say, Manor and Liberty would merge? Have there been any conversations that you're aware of at the state level uh, of, say, a county-wide school district for Sullivan County? Not that I'm aware of. The, The merging piece, there's a lot of challenges within the formulas that are used for school mergers and your district's tax rates come into play. So Roscoe's tax rate and Downsville's tax rate are very, very different. Mm-hmm. Downsville has a New York City reservoir within their school district. So in the different formulas that the state uses, Downsville is a far wealthier school district than Roscoe. Those two factors make it where, you know, that incentive aid that I mentioned earlier, um, if you tried to merge Roscoe and Downsville, it would take millions in incentive aid to get it to where the taxes didn't go wildly up or wildly down in one of the two districts. And those are, that's one of the major factors that hinder schools from merging is somebody's taxes are going to go through the roof and somebody's taxes are going to go down or taxes are going to go up in both. Any of those districts around the reservoir that border Roscoe, so the Andes, Margaretsville, Downsville, financially, it would not make sense for them to try and merge. The taxpayers would never support it. Roscoe and Manor just happened to be that their tax rates were very, very close, and it was going to result in taxes going down in both. Now that the vote has happened, is there any future where these two districts could merge again in the next 10 years, not 70 years? So that's a great question. This only happened last week. I haven't had board, I have board meetings coming up, uh, not this week, but the following week in both districts. And that's the, that's the first opportunity that I'm going to have to sit down with the boards from both schools and kind of talk about what our next steps are. Um, I believe you can vote again within a year. It's either, and I actually just sent an email this morning to state ed. You have to either wait one year or you have to revote within the year before it gets into the process where you have to do a whole study again. I believe you have to wait at least a year. If that's the case right now, it's what do we want to do? Do we want to put together more information and better educate the communities on the benefits and the the reasons behind wanting to merge and in needing to merge in some cases, or do we just 
you know, all right, the three strikes were out. You know, we've tried this three times and it's, you know, the communities have said no three times that, you know, we just wait and see what happens. You know, unfortunately, the kids are the ones that, that suffer in that scenario, you know, because there are advantages to merging. When you have a class of nine kids, it, it is very difficult to offer. I mean, everybody's like, oh, small class sizes. That's great. You get a personalized education. Well, yeah, but combined, our average class size would be 17 kids. Our average class size now is 15 and 13. So it's not like combining is we're going to be this giant school and kids are just going to be a number. You know, you're still going to have, you know, are you going to have a graduating class of 35 instead of 20? It's, I don't know. It's just, (laughs) what's difficult for me is I, I've lived here my whole life. I, I grew up in Roscoe. I grad my kindergarten diploma is right here on the wall behind me. And, you know, I've worked, you know, I was hired in Livingston Manor in 1995 as the technology education teacher. So between teacher and administrator, I've worked in Manor for 17 years. You know, I built a house there 21 years ago. I've lived in both communities and worked in both communities my entire life. I have nothing to gain. You know, this is, I see what's happening. You know, I am deeply involved in education. I've been in it, you know, for almost 30 years. And, you know, I see that where our districts are going and changes need to be made and they need to be made now. Otherwise kids are going to lose out. Um, on, on a personal note, my my day job is that I work as an admissions officer at a highly selective research university. And when I'm reading students' applications, one of the main things I look for is, has the student taken upper level classes? Have they taken AP classes or are they in an IB curriculum or, you know, are they clearly seeking out rigor in their schools? And I, one of the problems that I and I think it discourages students from smaller schools in New York from applying even is that they're not getting those oh. opportunities. And so would, would a merger offer more say upper level class opportunities that, that would give students some, some options for, for kind of beefing up their own academic rigor and making themselves more competitive when they're looking at colleges? Absolutely. And that was one of the things that was talked about in the study is that there are classes that are there. There are college level classes that are offered at Roscoe that aren't offered at Manor. And there's college level classes offered at Manor that aren't offered at Roscoe. And the recommendation from the merger was is in a combined district to offer all of those classes to the students to expand the opportunities um, you know, our local community college is working on a, um, a program where, you know, kids could graduate with an associate's degree and a high school degree at the same time. Um, I don't have the student population or the density of courses to do that in either district alone. However, in a combined district, the possibility of being able to offer that becomes much more of a reality. So, you know, I don't have AP classes because I don't have any teachers that are, you know, certified to do AP. We don't have IB. So, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, my kids right now graduating, 
while they have the opportunity to get college credits, they're kind of scattered all over the place. There's no continuum of them. There's no program path. And, you know, that was one of the things that a potential merger would do is allow us to put together using, you know, I have great teachers in both districts, combining those resources and that talent together to be able to put together a sequential college series of classes for kids is something that was a possibility. interested in seeing how this merger situation shakes out in the coming months and years. And honestly, I hope they work it out someday, if for no other reason than the fact that it means that there would be more educational resources and opportunities for the students. Sure, there are growing pains when groups of students from different schools are combined into a single district, but those are temporary. Students are smart and caring and empathetic and they are going to get used to it after a few months. Those pooled resources for students, though, they last forever. Thank you so much to Superintendent John Evans for taking the time to chat this week, and a big shout-out to my dad for always picking up the phone. And last but anything but least, thank you for listening. I'm Leif Johansson, and this is Close to Home, a podcast from WJFF Radio Catskill. Have a great week. Have a great week.